words you will find in the gospel according to Luke. <clears throat> the gospel according to Luke chapter 12. Luke the 12th chapter. <clears throat> And we shall read from the 29th verse. Luke chapter 12 at verse 29. And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubt mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And you, Father, knoweth that ye have a need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom especially the 32nd verse fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the king. And now you will notice the close connection there is between this verse and the preceding. In verse 31 we read but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. Here we read, It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Here the seeking and the pleasure of God coincide. They are not asked to seek that which it was not God's pleasure to give them. But seek the kingdom. And this is the encouragement. This is the basis. It is his good pleasure to give it unto you. Now this is placed in direct contrast with seeking other things. The kingdoms of the world seek that which they themselves decide. That one should seek is only acting in strict conformity with a law of our nature. 
we are so made as to be capable of seeking something, looking forward to something, having your eye on something, having ambition in a certain direction. Not only are we capable of that, but we cannot get away from it. The man who has ceased to look forward is a man who is at the end of the trade. When one doesn't look forward to anything, then that is proof positive that death or something similar to it has taken hold of that man. It is natural to man to seek something. But the difference comes in here. What we seek. The kingdoms of the world seek after that which they may eat, drink, and put on. That to say. Their ambition is materialistic, two and two. That which they desire belongs to this life. That which they seek is within the confines of time and space. They seek, oh yes, and very diligent very diligent. The effort that many put forth in seeking the things of this life ought to put many a Christian to shame. The effort they can put forth, the energy they can expend on this seems to have no bounds. Now, lest one might fall into a mistake, the Lord is careful to point out that some things are necessary, such as food, drink, and clothing. Your Father knows that he has need of all these things. Now, some of you... <coughs> They may have uh, an inquiring mind sufficiently well versed in scripture to ask a question like this. Are they prohibited from asking for bread, drink, and clothing? If so, what do you make of the Lord's Prayer? One of the petitions of that prayer, as we know, is give us this day our daily bread. And here it would seem that the Lord is cautioning his disciples against 
concentrating their uh, thinking ability upon this Again, you will remember in this connection what he himself said on one occasion. Not the breath that perishes, but the breath, the breath that endureth unto life everlasting. He simply, indeed, he said, not because he saw the miracle, oh no, but because he ate of the bread and were Now, of course, the answer to all that is plain. The Lord knows that we have need of all these things. The Lord knows that he cannot exist without them. He cannot live without them. It is not wrong to seek these at his hands, but seek ye the kingdom of God and his And it is precisely there that the difficulty enters. It is so easy to see the things that pertain to this life. They seem to be so near. We are so conscious of our need of them. But all the things that pertain to the kingdom of God, they seem to be so far away. Indeed, they do not uh, have the um, drawing power on uh, our mind that their um, importance would demand. Not, not that they have no drawing power. Oh no, but we are so preoccupied with other things, so put above with many things, that the one thing needful is often neglected altogether, and always neglected to a degree that it should not be neglected. Now, in order to put this right, the Lord gives not only a command or a precept to his disciples, he also gives a promise. And this promise comes in, as we know, in the midst of many difficulties. He tells them plainly that he was sending them out as sheep among wolves. They had to face danger. They might even have to face death. There was no guarantee of their physical life being prolonged. 
There was no promise of long life given there. Oh no. No promise of earthly comfort. There was a promise of providing them with the necessities of life as long as they were in life. That is but the repetition of an old promise. Or rather of a promise which the Lord had given his people of old. That their bread would not fail them. And that water would be sure unto them. Bread and water. Yes. That which was necessary. He hasn't anywhere promised to pander to man's love of luxury and excess. No. He has promised to provide the things that are necessary. Now it is in the midst of uh, this uh, enumeration of difficulties and danger that they would have to face for these names. That he gives them the cross. He is not. Oh, how great, how blessed, how timely, how opportune that promise is. Fear not. For bring the matter to its extreme. What is the worst that can happen to you? What is the worst that men can do? They can only kill. Fear not those who kill the body. And after that have nothing more that they can do. Fear them not. Rather Hear him who has power to destroy both body and soul in hell, I say unto you, hear him. That's reasonable. That is the most that men can do. Kill the body. That is much for yes, that is much. Certainly it is. But in the midst of all. And despite it all, there is the promise. Now perhaps there is nothing in which the child of God comes so far shocking as this. Making a due use of the promise. It requires much spiritual intelligence to use the promise around. It is a fact that many, we might say most, yea, we might say all of the Lord's people come short to 
Oh, how easy it is to rejoice in what we have at present. Yea, when that which we have is spiritual, we do not mean that it is wrong to rejoice in this. What a blessed thing it was, and is for the disciples to say, Lord, it is good for us to be here. A blessed thing indeed. Then it is easy, so to speak, to rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> when man is living not on the promise, but on his possession, he has him. something that is in and of itself desirable. Something that is in and of itself comforting. But when one is deprived of that, when one has nothing in oneself to point to, when one cannot see, judging from circumstances, that it is good to be here, then to rest in the promise of God to rest in that promise entirely and sincerely is something we say that requires much spiritual intelligence and it is this resting in the promise we might say that proves what spiritual maturity we have attained to resting in the promise. We, we would put it like this. When the soul has nothing but the promise of God, or oh, that you see is a very bad way of putting it, it is indeed very clumsy and very unspiritual and even unspiritual to say that one has only the promise of God would give it the idea that that is not much at all or oh, that is far from being the case yet the right way of expressing it is this one cannot have more than the promise of God there is nothing that can supersede that promise. When God gave a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. Say, blessing, I will bless multiplying I will multiply was that all it wasn't that enough what would you do for you say the fulfillment of the promise yes but the promise precedes its fulfillment and the fulfillment if we may so put it is but the fulfillment of the promise 
fear not, little flock. That's the promise. It is your Father's good pleasure who gives you the kingdom. The kingdom that you are to seek and to seek first. It is your Father's good promise to give it to you. That is, we say, it is your Father's good pleasure to give it to you. That's the promise. Nothing more is needed. Nothing more should be desired. The promise of God. But let us first know the, the terminology of this address. Fear not, little flock. <clears throat> now there are two words there. Little flock. And... Uh, both of them are great with me. First of all, they are a flock. Whose flock are they? Well, he tells it himself. I am the good shepherd. They are the shepherd. They are the flock of the shepherd. Now the characteristic of the flock is this. As a flock, many things could be said of them in their individual and corporate capacity. But as a flock, this is what is said of them. They both have a shepherd and no shepherd. I know my sheep. And are known of mine. I know them. And it is because I know them that they know me. It is my knowledge of them that has begotten their knowledge of me. They haven't found me as their shepherd. I, as the shepherd, found them and made them a flock, my flock, my sheep, hear my voice. And the beginning of the history of sheep is this, that they do hear his voice. When do they become sheep? Well, leaving out God's uh, purpose. They, are, they become sheep when they are given the nature of the sheep. We say, in God's sight, they are sheep indeed from all eternity. But, in their relation to the shepherd, they become sheep, they become a flock, in actual possession, and by their own concept, they become a flock when they hear his voice. Hear as always, it is the voice of God that creates. <coughs> it is the omnipotence from which that voice is the expression. 
makes and creates what that voice calls for. He makes them his sheep by calling them his sheep. Calling them, yes. It is the call of God that makes all things what they are. He's God. And that means this, doesn't it? That he has engaged himself to protect and to feed them, to lead them, to guide, to bring them to the house of God that they might dwell there forever. These they are his responsibility. And they are his responsibility by covenant engagement. He has undertaken in a covenant that cannot be broken that he will keep them even unto the end when he sends them forth as sheep among wolves. It is the sheep of which or of whom he is the shepherd that, is set, that are sent forth. But then he calls them a little flock. <clears throat> now no doubt this may refer to that number. They are few. That is the picture we have then throughout all the scriptures. They are a little flock. In comparison with the numbers around them, they are a little flock indeed. That is true. And this was true in all ages up to the present. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be who go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that so while that is true, has always been true, and notice, we do not say always will be true. No. But it has been and is true that comparatively, this is a little flock indeed, compared with, say, with the rest of humanity. They are few in numbers. What they will be before the termination of the age, we know not. In any case, leaving the question of number one, we do not think that the references first and foremost to that number here, little flock, 
We think that the term little is more used here as a term of endearment. As if he had said, Fear not, my dear flock. It is used in that sense in more than one place. Yea, it is a common place of every language to use it in that sense. My little flock, my dear flock, fear not. You are mine. And as mine, you are eternally and unchangeably dear unto me. For this reason, I say, no man goes to warfare at his own expenses. And certainly, the people of God are not us to go as sheep among wolves, depending on the protection they can provide for themselves. Oh no, that would be suicide. They are commanded to go under his protection. And helpless as they are in and of themselves, helpless as sheep among wolves, Yet, their Redeemer is mighty. Their Savior is omnipotent. Their Shepherd knows their condition. And his promise for all times is, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Fear not. This is reasonable. This is not the dictate of unreason. No, it is highly reasonable that you should not fear. For your protection is complete. Your salvation, your security is guaranteed eternally and guaranteed in the counsel of God. Hence fear not, little flock. And now we come to the most uplifting of all, the Father's good pleasure, which is another way of saying God's will. But it is not God merely as God. It is God as you Oh. That sort of makes the thing still more intimate. Still more personal. It is you Who is this Father? The eternal God. Who is thy refuge, and whose hands are underneath? It is your father's good pleasure. Now, if it is his good pleasure, if it is his will, and certainly this is his purpose, 
for the simple reason that he should have your relationship it hinges on this that because he is your father of necessity he has the best purpose in mind for you it is your father and this is his will his good pleasure to give you the kingdom why then should you fear who can deprive you of the kingdom when it is his pleasure to give it to you but furthermore what is this kingdom it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom what is it heaven oh yes that is included in it but that by no means exhausts the earth either here or elsewhere in the scripture it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom not only as a possession in heaven but it is his pleasure to give you the kingdom no in as far as that kingdom can be made over to you and enjoyed by you no what is this kingdom the kingdom of god is not meat and drink what is it then it is peace it is righteousness it is joy in the holy ghost it is your father's good pleasure to give you that now and this was to be their strength this was the source from which they were to derive their energy the dynamic by which they were to turn the world upside down it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom he hasn't promised a superfluity of the things of this life he hasn't promised a path strewn with roses it is like nobody has promised to give this disciple the kingdom he has promised to give them peace in me he shall have peace he has promised to give them righteousness he has promised to give them peace and this is his good pleasure oh god how unutterable god that the lord should not only make over to his people the inexhaustible riches of his grace but that he should take the life 
in this door, those riches upon It is his good pleasure. Shall we put it like this? When uh, in your weary and thirsty condition, according to the scriptures, that is when the Lord refreshes his heritage. When he does that, is it not like an oasis in the desert? 